CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic here with Matthew Fairburn, also of The Athletic. We haven't seen him in a few weeks. We can get into that if he chooses. It's his story to tell, not mine. Uh, but this is a long overdue guest joining Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK. Contractually obligated to say that every time uh, is Breon Harris one of the holy triumvirate of Bill's Mafia creators. We can talk about that. That story's been told, but it's still such a great story. And, um, and the moment that really triggered that was such a big moment in my life, which I wrote about back in December, uh, revolving, uh, uh, involving uh, Stevie Johnson. Uh, but Breon Harris, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, where are you coming from right now? Um, like where do I currently live? Yeah. Uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay, Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. um, so you you consume uh, all your Bills content from afar. You are a voracious uh, Bills fan. Every little thing you have uh, an informed opinion on, it's really amazing. Uh, I think that uh, it's one of the most... Uh, entertaining Bill's fan follows period, but also uh, pop culture observation <laughs> and a lot of it overlaps. Um, but you being in Virginia beach, not here in Western New York, how do you think that impacts your feel or your vibe when it comes to being a Bill's fan to be a little, just a little detached from being surrounded by it all the time. Uh yeah, I think um, I think the fact that I am detached is what forms my opinions and why I look at it the way I look at it sometimes because I look at it from an outsider looking in, right? Even though like for you know a long part of my life, all I knew was like Bills football, right? But I can't remember. It's it's always like little things people say to me. Like one time, uh, somebody who knows me from here, right? It's like all you tweet about is is Bill stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, you got to give people who aren't Bills fans who know you something outside of just football, you know, so I don't know. What is it that has you most excited about uh, the 2021 Bills? Um, Stefan Diggs, number one. Um, but I guess that whole, uh, the whole offense again, right? So just hoping they can do exactly what they did last year or build on it. I don't want to say exactly because, you know, they didn't make the Super Bowl, but, you know. Okay, now what has you most worried? I have a feeling this is going to be a longer answer. <laughs> um, that 2020 was uh, was a fluke. I guess that's what everybody else's concern is, really. What have you uh... – I'm I'm curious with your perspective, having been there from literally the start of Bill's Mafia and the start of Bill's fans on the internet in a lot of ways, right? Because Twitter was sort of opened up a whole different world for all sports fans. But how have you seen the discussion or the fan base in general online evolve now that the team is good compared to back when everything started? Well, <laughs> back then when everything started, we sucked, right? So, you know, I guess everything was like a was like a community, I guess, right? And then, but at the same time, you saw glimpses of, uh, you know, like if a if a 
person on Twitter, you know, says anything negative about the Bills, right? Like they're automatically like, oh, you're not a real Bills fan, you know, blah, blah, blah. Obviously it's expanded, uh, you know, way beyond our beliefs now because, you know, Twitter has gotten so big, but even back then things were basically the same, but in a smaller microscope, you know? You know, I'm, I'm thinking back, uh, you know, all the, all the craziness too. I, I always felt that, um, you feel the same about Bills fans uh, that I do. Um, very admirable, very passionate, but there's plenty of eye rolling too. And when you mention, you know, even a slight against the Bills, I'm thinking back of 2011, I think it was, when Tom Brady had a comment about the, the hotels in Buffalo and everybody went ape shit. How can he say this about our hotels? And I was doing a, I was working news side for the Buffalo news at the time. I remember my editor coming over because I had a sports background. He said, would you do a story on Tom Brady, you know, ripping the, the hotels? Mm-hmm. So I called up the guy who's in charge of the Buffalo hotel association or whatever. And uh, he started laughing and he says, he's right. You know, <laughs> the guy who's in charge of the association was like, hey, yeah, we're not that great. Uh, the funny but, part is like, uh, I, I used to stay, uh, when I used to come up for the games and I'm acting like I come up all the, all the time, but at least the first two times I came up, I stayed in this shitty hotel, um, not too far from, uh, from the stadium as a matter I don't want to drop names, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't that, and it was a piece of shit if we're being honest. So I definitely understand what he's talking about. Yeah, all the nicest hotels aren't weren't there in 2011 and it's not as if buffalo is like a hotel mecca now but like the weston the marriott even the was the courtyard even there downtown i mean no that's all relative that's all new so even now it's it's okay it's fine there's some good options down there all those places are nice um but those weren't even there so it, it really uh i don't even know what hotel the patriots would have stayed in back then the Marriott out by UB was a big one. I ended up, I interviewed Damian Woody for the story. He was saying that that's where they always stayed. And he was saying, yeah, you go to Buffalo, you can't leave your room. There's nothing to do. Uh, and then, um, and then I think the Hyatt downtown was the other popular place. Um, and that was it. And th- that, that hotel has been sold and bankruptcyed a uh, hundred times, but um so it is funny, uh, uh, Brian, to uh, to see a lot of your comments because you don't have a lot of patience for things that other fans really want to embrace and and huddle over the fire and you know commiserate about. Uh, and you're like, I I, I don't it, that small time. Uh, it's it's inferiority complex. It's like, can we can we do a little bit better? And you've always pushed. Yeah. To, let's think a little deeper. Yeah, I, I think it gets people. It gets fans in trouble, to be honest with you, because now they get upset because people make comments about us being, you know, the way we are. And, you know, I don't know. I just I look at them and I'm like some of the things that y'all say, like, I understand why people come up with that conclusion, because if I was not a Bills fan, I would definitely say the same thing that these people are saying. And it's embarrassing sometimes. How do you see uh, the evolution of Bills Mafia as an ethos i guess you know the way it started very organically and if you want to maybe give us the cliff's notes version of of how that started for those who may not know and then it became a charitable thing and now it is taken on you know it's so far removed from what it started out as and uh and i want to hear what your feelings are about how it has grown into this this thing that uh you probably couldn't have conceived of um, well, it's first of all, it's, it was always a charitable thing, if we're being honest. Um, but so, you know, for those who don't know, it all started with, um, you know, Stevie Johnson drop the, you know, Adam Schefter retweet, you know, a day later and you know, me, you know, ever for those who don't, who didn't know me back then, I was always a troll guy. Right. So I, you know, got on Adam Schefter and, you know, started tweeting Schefter breaking news. He starts, you know, blocking me, he blocked Dell, um, blocked a couple other people. And then so, you know, Dell started calling us, you know, Bill's Mafia, like the very next day, because back then you used to do like follow trains and shit, which is, you know, mad corny now. But 
Um, they did it back then. And, you know, he did one follow Friday and he says Bill's Mafia and he puts a couple of us in, in, a, in a tweet. And, you know, I saw it and I was like, holy shit, like if, if players see this, they're going to they're going to embrace it. Like, you know, football players, they're, you know, just I guess any athlete in any sport, they always want to feel tough. Right. So especially football players. So I, I had a feeling like once they got a hold of the whole mafia, Bill's mafia thing, they would they would love it. And, you know, Tim remembers I used to tweet all the time, like all the fucking time, like a uh, real story. I don't know if Tim remembers, but uh, Tim used to follow me at one point. Right. This is back in my old account. I still do. Follow me for I still reason. do. No, no let, me, let me let me finish the story. Right. So he un, he unfollowed me, right? And I was a huge Tim Graham, Tim Graham fan. Back he was AFC East blog on ESPN, right? He unfollowed me, right? Then a few months later, I, I must have said something about you stopped unfollowing me or whatever. And then he says, you tweet too much. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he looked at my tweet count. He said, holy shit, 48,000 tweets, you tweet too much. But I'm going to give it another whirl. And he um, followed me I do me again. remember that now. He's been attached ever since. But... <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I, to, I totally <laughs> forgot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I used to tweet all the time. Every chance I got, I was tweeting, you know, team Bills Mafia, Bills Mafia, this, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, eventually, the players latched on. Um, Stevie Johnson, um, obviously, he um, supported it. He uh, DM'd me one day and was like, hey, y'all need to, y'all need to uh, create a Bills Mafia Twitter account because I guess he knew that it was going to it was going to blow up, right? He wanted to make sure that the originators um, was was getting the credit and was running it, right? So he he DM, he DMs me and said, "Hey, uh, create a, a Bills Mafia Twitter account, blah blah blah." So I instantly email, I mean, uh, message Dell and was like, "Hey, listen, uh, Stevie Johnson said create an account, so we create an account. You know, he puts it up on his Twitter account, and I guess the rest is history." And literally, I want to say. Um, you know, two or three days into it, you know, me, Dell, and Les was, was like, hey, listen, let's sell merchandise, but we're going to donate it to Roswell Park. So, and that was, that was from the beginning, like we had no intentions on making any money, still don't, still haven't. So, you know, that's, that's how it started, really. And it becomes such a, a cool uh, thing to rally around because it was organic because the team was against it there was also kind of this rebel mentality to it the team was always trying to shut this down shut mm-hmm. that down you can't reference this it was you know it was everything was getting uh, negotiated out mm-hmm. um and that's what made it a little cooler so back in i think it was december which i happened to be with stevie johnson the day that the announcement was made that the bills oh. and you know, that were I'm formally adopting Bill's Mafia as a as a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was the one who told Stevie about it. And I used it in my story. He said, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then he stopped and he like stared off into space and he goes, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, like he dawned on him. It was like, wait a minute. This is this maybe isn't cool. It's now become corporate. So what's been your take on this um, this transformation of organic fan um, support support system among yourselves to the team taking it over. I, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, honestly, like if, if anybody knows me, I'm I've usually always been, you know, just just do my Twitter thing, right? Like all that other extra official shit. Because I was, you know, like I'm in Virginia Beach, so I is really not much I could do, you know. So. I was always a Twitter guy. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't really hands-on with the with the business. I guess if there was a business side, you know, I wasn't really involved with that too much. But at the same time, it, it was great. Like, um, I think that was maybe, I don't want to say our goal, but, you know, we did want the team to embrace it, right? After, I mean, we didn't make any money off of it. We don't make money off of it. You know, our entire, the, the entire time we were like, I don't know why they they wouldn't, right? It's not like we're, trying to make a profit off of something we're literally raising money for for charity so i don't understand what the what the pushback was so uh, i think it was mostly the the mafia imagery right just the idea of the word mafia kind of stuck with them maybe yeah i think that's that's probably what it was as well yeah and bills they probably i know that they were also upset just that you were using because you're not supposed to use bills at all they wanted to be protective of that and uh 
I, I would hear all the time about the, the squabbles going on about a shirt that came out that they said, no, no, you can't do that. And, uh, you know, just the, the back and forth was always uh, fascinating to me. And now here they've come full circle and, um, and uh, are now embracing it and selling uh, their own Bill's Mafia stuff. They use the Bill's Mafia as their, as their hashtag uh, for their, their official Twitter um, emblem. And uh, anyways, um, tell me where you are with the Bills now. Uh, after 17 years of no playoffs, going through that darkness, being so uh, emotionally invested in the team, not just as a fan, but Bill's Mafia, you were, you were more invested than most. Mm. You were not a passive fan. You were, as you said, all the tweets, all the campaigning, all the support, all the, um, you know, trying to pull each other through uh, the depression. Mm-hmm. And now you finally get to bask in the sun a little bit. How's that feel? Um, it feels good, to be honest with you. Like, uh, I think, you know, all, like you said, all those years wondering, like, would we ever be good? And what would we do once we're good, right? So I think that's probably, like, the other part of, like, those mafias that we suck so bad that we had to support them so strongly, you know? So, you know, and then it's like, well, now that we're good, what do we do now, you know? So I don't know. Where so what's your gauge on fans now and how you know they've they've jumped on? Um and this is a, a big discussion we could have. We we end up talking about the fans a lot um on this podcast, as you know. Um there does seem to be a lack of let's just say they have short memories, I think. Uh, to Very go short. from to go from what you just said, we may never be good again to fuck the world. We're nobody can touch us. And I understand you, you can, you get there because you, you want to make up for all that lost time and you want to be able to enjoy the moment, but it seems like, shouldn't there be at least a little humility <laughs> regarding yeah. the fact that it wasn't that long ago? Shouldn't you remember the bad times a little bit? Yeah. And that's, that's literally where I'm at, right? Like for some wild ass reason, they really think that, NFL history and Buffalo Bills history starts at September 2020, right? So for some strange reason, they forget 2019, they forget 2018, 2017, and and beyond, you know, so on and so forth. They forget how they used to act on Twitter um, during those times and the things that they would say on Twitter during those times, which is why, why which is why me and I guess Bills fans always go back and forth because I'm trying to figure out. Like, this isn't, like, the energy that y'all have now towards things is not the same energy that y'all have back then. And the stuff that y'all were saying back then, you know, like, it's not adding up. Like, I'm doing the math, and it's not adding up. So. How does that impact how you root for this team? Because, you know, back then it was like everybody's in this shared struggle, right? You're not, you know, there's not going to be huge – disagreements among the fan base because the team sucked and everybody knew and you know everybody was kind of sharing in it together and you know pouring all their fandom in now you know I see you're you and a handful of others do push back against the homer mob uh, on twitter and it's hard to push back against that that group of people but how does it kind of impact how you root for the team now do you ever have to like detach yourself from it on Sundays just to remind yourself that this is your team and, um, you know, the Twitter arguments, you know, you can put them aside. Well, uh, so I can't remember who I was telling, but after, so after games, whether it's a win or a loss, I don't even, or maybe it's just the losses after the losses, I'm never on Twitter anymore. Right. Like we remember every loss. It was, it was a shit show on Twitter. Right. So now I'm never on there after a loss. Like, I, and, and I, I take a step back and I look about, I look at what happened and I try to look at the big picture, right? Which is kind of what I did this off season, which is why we see these battles with me and everybody else is I took a step back and I looked at the season in totality, right? I looked at Josh Allen in totality, right? And, and I've come up with this, with this idea that he's not what people think that he is, right? Like, I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback, but to pretend like 2019 didn't happen, 2018 didn't happen is kind of wild. Right. And then they pretend like 
for some reason, like at the end of 2020, right, everybody was like, oh, look at this jump Josh made, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Everybody was on the same page with 2019 not being good. Now, all of a sudden, people are changing the goalposts when they hear people say, oh, well, Josh only had one good season. Now, all of a sudden, 2019 wasn't that bad, right, when in reality it was. So, I mean, I don't know if I detach from the team because I'm still – I don't let Twitter uh, dictate how I root for the team, I guess, if that makes sense, because I already, I already know they're crazy, right? And, and, you know, so I think that's, that's what makes me um, who I am is because I understand, like, they're crazy. I know I'm a Bills fan. I know I'm, I know I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. I know I'm a huge Stephon Diggs fan. It doesn't matter what I say, right? I can look at something objectively and still love it. You know what I'm saying? And apparently other people can't do that. Yeah, that is a great point with Josh Allen because heading into last season, the ob- the, the clear-cut storylines, there were two of them. It was the Bills are pretty good. Um, Tom Brady's out of the division. Therefore, the Bills should make the playoffs. They need to win a game. Right. Uh, and that will be a successful season. And the other storyline was, we're still not sure about Josh Allen. He's got to prove it. Right. And now he did prove it. I mean, he, he at least had a great season. Uh, but now people want to look back and say, we knew it all along. Right. We knew he had it. Uh, and this is a Super Bowl contender. It's not just about winning a, one playoff game. It's, uh, you know, this, this team's ready to contend right now. And I think that's true. Uh, although I don't think that they got uh, appreciably better uh, and they needed to close a big gap between themselves and the Chiefs. And the Chiefs seem to have gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, they made some free agent signings, especially uh, some moves along the offensive line to get better. Um, so, yeah, I get that. Um, where are you with the Bills as Super Bowl contenders. Are you are you ready to to get there? Uh, mm, I don't know. Like, there's always the Chiefs, right? But anything can happen. I guess I could say like the Browns should have beat the Chiefs, right? If that happens, I guarantee the Bills go to the Super Bowl, right? So anything can happen in the NFL. But if you if you want me to say, do I think they can beat the Chiefs? No. Right. And there's also a lot of people on Twitter that would be like, I, I saw this tweet that went out and said, um, who's Patrick Mahomes biggest rival? Of course, every fucking Bills fan goes, oh, it's Josh Allen. Nah, it's really not. Right. So cut it out. Um, so the Chiefs are good. Right. The Chargers, Justin Herbert had a pretty good rookie season. Like like he was he was good. So the Chargers could be good. Right. Um, I can't really. Th- David Carr is pretty good. Who knows? I mean, John Gruden fucked that all up. But so maybe the Raiders, um, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, obviously, if they get their shit together, right? Like Ravens fans are happy because they got Sammy Watkins, but is he going to be healthy all year? Right? I guess that's a question. Um, ben Roethlisberger shot, so who knows what there. The Patriots uh, could win with their defense. Right, and they could. And I think – you know, Bills fans are overlooking the fact that there's still Bill Belichick over there, right? Like, they're getting their defense back, which was, what, they was top five, top one, or they were number one defense in 2019 or whatever. They, like, if you think that Bill Belichick is going to let us sweep them again, like, you're crazy, right? They, they're uh, sleeping on the on the Dolphins, right? Like, if, if uh, what's their quarterback, Tua, I'm not even going to pretend to say his last name, but if he, you know, is all right, then, you know, they, they got a pretty good team up there. So, I mean, down there. So to, for them to think that 2020 is an indication of what 2021 is going to be, like teams don't get better, like they're, they're crazy. I think I want it's to get a good, into, uh, oh, go ahead, Matthew. Twitter perspective you have, the fact that you're able to kind of be in that world, but, pull yourself away from it and root for, you know, you're just rooting for the team and blasting your thoughts into, <laughs> into Twitter and letting, you know, whatever happened. Like I, I, it seems like to me, not a lot of people do that. It's like they spend, I sometimes am scrolling through Twitter. Like I have a hard time tweeting a lot during a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like staying into the flow of the game. Some people it's like, I look at my timeline. I'm like, man, are these people watching the TV at all? I mean, football's okay. set up that way. So you can, you know, kind of have your, your thoughts and, and fire them out in between plays. But 
I don't know. I think it's a healthy attitude you have. I'm curious. I'm, and I think I missed this because I followed both accounts. What happened to your first account? Like what, what is your Twitter, your Twitter journey? Great question. Here? Great um, question. And uh, I think it took me a little while to find your second one. Cause I remember I would always go to it and be like, what the hell's up with this account? Like what happened? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, back then, it, and I hate say, I, I hate the fact that it was suspended because there's a lot of new people on Twitter, right? That act like I'm just some new guy on the block when I've literally been on this bitch for like over 10 years, you know? So, and I've literally seen like Bill's Twitter from his infancy grow to what it is now, right? Like I'm, I'm not brand new. Anyway, sorry. So back then, as y'all know, I used to use videos for my memes and shit all the time. So I guess uh, these record companies don't like that, right? So they would send me, um, they would send me emails like, hey, you know, this company wants you to, you know, whatever, whatever. My shit got suspended a couple of times. And then, you know, I would get the emails and then they would, you know, disable the, the videos or whatever. Um, and then eventually at that point, I was too far deep in the game for me to go back and start deleting videos from tweets. And that's just what happened. I ended up suspending it forever. So that's what happened. You just let them foreclose on the house, right? Uh, yeah. the, you, you just moved out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Move into a new house. Yeah. Um, uh, you had, you have some controversial takes that have nothing to do with uh, copyrighted music or videos. Um, let's, let's go down a few of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Because one of my favorite things about Bree and his tweets is that I'll come across something that on the surface I disagree with. And I'm like, what? And then, and then I stop and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I think he might be right. Because <laughs> it catches you. You get lulled into certain thoughts sometimes. And you are one that fights against groupthink. Um, and that's you, you have a bit of a challenge, uh, an aspect of you where you like to challenge thought. And one of the widely accepted uh, facts, I'm using uh, finger quotes, facts in Bill's history is that Fred Jackson's a legend. And uh, he's going to be on the wall of fame someday. Uh, your thought. So every, every, uh, every controversial, controversial thought that I have, and I say controversial because it's really not right. But I say it like if, if I ever get into one of these kind of things, more than likely I'm already prepared, right? Like there's no way I'm going in any fight like this unprepared like you, cause then you look stupid, right? So anyways, and I also have to preface everything by saying I'm a huge Fred Jackson fan, was a huge Fred Jackson fan. He's a great person, right? And I, I don't know if I've told anybody this story. Um, I told it on a podcast one time, I think, or I talked to a couple people, but I met Fred Jackson in a, um, in an airport one time and was starstruck. I'm talking like I could barely talk. And you can tell that he knew I didn't know what to do when I meet a, a professional athlete because he kind of got me on how to be a fucking fan, right? So he's like, hey, do you want to pick? Because all I did was say, hey, are you Fred Jackson? And he's like, yeah. And then I introduced myself as my fucking Twitter handle, right? So, <laughs> so then I'm like, then I want to walk off. And he's like, hey, do you want a picture? I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Can I get a picture, <laughs> right? And I'm about to walk off again. And he goes, do you want me to sign something? <laughs> so... Like it was, it was like the coolest shit. Like it was really great. So I loved Fred Jackson. However, right. He's not, uh, he's not one of the greatest running backs that this team has, right. You've seen CJ Spiller, CJ Spiller's one 1200, whatever yard season, better than any Fred Jackson. Season. The bills are pretty stacked when it comes to its running back history. Right. Maybe right. it's an argument of maybe the, the deepest running back talent of any team in NFL history. Right. And so for you to see all those running backs before Fred, and then I actually think you can put Fred in that same breath as them is fucking beyond me. Like, I have no idea how you can come to that conclusion. But the argument from other people is, oh, well, it's what the wall means to you. Right. So I'm like, all right, I understand that argument. But if you're going to tell me that you have a bunch of Hall of Famers and or very good players on that wall, and then you want to run Fred Jackson up there because he was a good person or he was a small bright spot during the uh, a drought. I, that's fine. Maybe if that's what you want to go with or for you to say, Oh yeah, he's one of the greatest running backs we've ever had, or he was the best player during the drought. 
okay, that's a fucking lie. Like, he was not the best player during the drop, right? There's no way. He has no Pro Bowls. His only great season was that one season he played in 10 games and had like 97 yards per game. Outside of that, he did not have any good seasons. Who was just – who was – who do you think was the best player during the drought? Uh, Kyle Williams. Yeah. Same here. I think that's a, that's a fairly easy choice unless you want to go with somebody who just was passing through, mm-hmm. you know, a Takeo Spikes, um, London Fletcher. But mm-hmm. Kyle Williams was good and had longevity – having right. never played a down for any other team. I mean, I, I got, I got, I had bird up there. People forget how, how good bird was. Right. Um, yes. How, how great of a returner uh, Terrence McGee was. If we're talking like dominant at that position, like Terrence McGee definitely was on that list. Uh, Roscoe Parrish as a re- punt returner. He was, he was good. He was dominant at his position. I mean, we're talking about players that were actually dominant in their position during the drought, and now you want to talk about Fred Jackson, who literally the only reason why he's on he's number three is because he outlasted Marshawn Lynch. He outlasted, uh, you know, C.J. Spiller. He was never better than any of those running backs. If you need a sentimental pick for the wall from the drought era, I feel like Kyle Williams checks all those boxes you talk about with Fred, but also went to Pro Bowls, you know, was a guy that, you know, was at one point, you know, one of the top 10 players at his position was very good um, and checks all those sentimental boxes. Like He's like he an all-pro. He was like a second-team all-pro probably two or three years. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a great player and a great guy and a guy that had the longevity throughout the drought, the whole fifth-round pick to superstar. You know, Odyssey story is, is one that people latch on to. Mm-hmm. And like you said. Although Fred's, Fred's origin story is pretty tough to beat. It, you know, absolutely division three, didn't even start for his high school team division three uh arena minor leagues not even the arena league but the arena minor leagues if he doesn't go to co-college marv marv levy doesn't extend him a chance to come and then try out for the team and you know just the whole thing mm-hmm. um but yeah that's a story and there are other great stories too that of guys who have so you can't you can't use that as your qualifier either there are some other amazing stories of of guys who uh, who survived. Um, yeah. I guess the question is how many guys from that era need to be up there? You know, is it, you know, I've never been on the selection committee. I don't know that there even is one anymore uh, or how I don't know either. And I'm general, I think I'm on it. Yeah. I, I think it's been, I think it's, I, we haven't had a meeting in years. Uh, I mean, so I don't know, you know, how, how this all happens, but I, I don't know how many you need from what is, you know, undisputably, right the worst stretch of football this franchise has played. Right. Where are we with Brian Mormon is on the wall of fame. Well, and that's, that's the other thing. Like, I mean, I I know people don't like special teams players, but if we're talking about again, like a dominant player at their position, I guess he qualifies. Right. So, but do you want to put a punter up there? But you have to, if, if you're stomping your foot for fucking Steve Tasker to make the hall of fame. Right. So well, Steve Christie is not on the Wall of Fame. I just double checked because I wasn't quite sure, but I just had to double check. Steve Christie not on the Hall of uh, on the Wall of Fame. Tyler Bass um, up there yet? I'm sorry. Tyler Bass up there. Tyler yet? Bass will be uh, by t- at least like 2023. He'll be up there uh, while active. I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, Brian Mormon, yeah, my. I, I am not going to dismiss out of hand that a kicker or a punter should not be on the wall of fame. If there's a punter in the hall of fame, which was long overdue when Ray guy got in, there should be, yeah, th- those players should be represented right. uh, on the wall of fame. I, I have no problem with uh, Brian Mormon on the wall of fame. Um, and he was the best at his, at his position uh, here and there uh, throughout the course of the drought, the great joke uh, running joke. He was always the highest rated bill on Madden. Yeah. Um, You'd have, you know, whatever. And he was a good guy. I mean, he did good Mm -hmm. things too. Still is a Um, good guy. What? He still is a good guy. Yes. Right. I don't want to say he was, I'm sure he is. I I've, I've, we ran into him at the airport a couple seasons ago. He actually gave me a quote for a story I was working on while we had our, where we were walking to the ground transportation shuttle. Um, Tyrod Taylor, I'm sorry, Tyrod Taylor. Mm -hmm. 
give me your appreciation of Tarad Taylor. Uh, why, uh, why do you think he uh, is viewed the way he is in Buffalo? Or not even in Buffalo. It seems like everywhere he goes, he gets written off and overlooked. Um, because Tarad, Tarad is uh, <laughs> he's a he's a he's a journeyman quarterback, right? Like, and that's the the other thing. Like the the huge issue that I have with Bills fans, right? Is again, I remember vividly, right? Like the drought era, and who you celebrated as a player, right? And so when I see who we celebrated as a player, right? And then we get to, to Rod and he's not celebrated in that same light. Now I have questions, right? The underdog, right? The guy who's the scrappy guy, nobody took seriously. Um, right. Right. He's like, a, he was what, a six round draft pick that sat behind Joe Flacco for years. Finally gets his shot, right? He makes, what, the Pro Bowl that year. I mean, granted, you want to say alternate, all right, fuck it. We, we celebrated alternate as Pro Bowls before, like cut the shit, right? So, I mean, we literally look at the alternate, right? And then look at which Patriots player is on that fucking uh, list because we know they're going to the Super Bowl so our alternate can get in so we can brag about who's in the Pro Bowl, right? So you can cut it out with that, right? So he makes the Pro Bowl his first year and was actually pretty decent, right? I'm not, nobody's saying he was great, but he was pretty decent, right? Following season, um, probably about the same, right? Even though we lost uh, uh, Sammy Watkins for half the season, um, no Robert Woods for probably four or five games, no Chris Hogan, right? So he was all right. And then we get to 2017 where he has nobody, right? And then I see what they're saying about Josh Allen, right? Every time we talk about Josh Allen's rookie season, what's the first thing people talk about? Oh, his he didn't have shit for weapons, blah, 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 blah. Who the fuck did Tyrod have? Tyrod took Tyrod. What did he have in 2017? His his team, his weapons were worse than Josh Allen's rookie season. You know what I'm saying? But nobody's talking about that. And all you all you hear is, oh, well, Andy Dalton, which is such a fucking bullshit. Like, I hate when they say that. Andy Dalton is the one that led us to the playoffs. Okay, that's bullshit. Then I'll say, oh, well, LeSean McCoy is the one that led us to the playoffs. Okay, that's also – that's literally the only weapon that we had. But everybody knows that in the NFL, whether fair or unfair, the quarterback gets the praise, right? So if that's what we're going with, you can't say that he didn't lead us to the, to, uh, to the playoffs, right? Like, you literally can't say that. If that's if that's the standard that we're saying, if Josh goes to every pro every uh, playoff, which again, and, and then 2019, Josh Allen has number two defense in the league, right? Goes to the playoffs. Nobody's saying, oh, he rode the defenses back, which is what they started to say at first with uh, during 2017, right? Which that defense was shit. Like if you go look at the stats, that defense of 2017 was shit. The defense of 2019 was good, right? So every excuse that they have for uh, 2017, right, is bullshit. And they just keep moving the goalposts every time I knock them down, if we're being honest. I think it's a good a good frame for the Tarad conversation is that the way you put it, that think of all the guys that have been celebrated during that era of football. Um, right. Some who were not very good or some who people just latched on to because – they were good guys or had a good story or whatever. The scrappy undrafted guy. David yeah. Nelson was a hero for two seasons. Right. Uh, Naaman right. Roosevelt played, uh, you'd think he played 50 games. He probably played five. Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Jones. I mean, there were these guys that were just revered because they came out of nowhere and they came together. And mm -hmm. yeah. And it was part of what made, you know, it was part of what made the fan base what it was at that time, you know, when there were certain guys that you would latch on to and still remember and celebrate. And then you get to a guy, it seems like every time, do we know if it's pronounced Tyrod or Tyrod or are we being He says silly? it's Tyrod. Yeah. If he's going to go, then, then we'll say Tyrod. But then to get to Tyrod and, you know, I think every time he gets brought up, people get defensive about Josh Allen, which is really unnecessary. You know, right. the team admitted at the end of his tenure that he wasn't good enough, traded him for a third round pick, which was a good haul. And I don't think anybody would disagree with, you know, okay, this guy was good, 
got the team to the playoffs, but they're looking for that true franchise quarterback. And they're, you know, going to get some resources back and try to find that true franchise quarterback. But it is odd that all these guys that got celebrated during the drought, the guy who ended it, played a right. huge part in ended, ending it, is just like, well, ah, you know, right. like he's an afterthought. It's very strange, especially when he had every reason to torpedo that season when he got benched for Nathan right. Peterman. You know, right. he could have gone into the tank and said, you screw this team. You know, they benched me for that guy. Right. But he kept his mouth shut, came back the next week, and, you know, kept the season together. So odd that he's found, you know, I, I think the fact that he's bounced around the league and had trouble sticking as a starter, you know, says that he hasn't – he's not that no-doubt franchise guy. But he is the quintessential, like, plucky, underdog, fun Right. He's, he's fun to watch. You know, he got a little less fun to watch toward the end. A little he doesn't bit turn the ball over. He didn't throw interceptions. Didn't didn't fumble. Hard worker. Quiet. But, does but you, everything. Know who did? you know who did and who's who celebrated at every turn? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he's been on the fucking Titans. He's been on the Jets. He's been on the Bucks. He's been on the Dolphins. Now he's with the Redskins. Fuck out of here with that. You know what I'm saying? Like he literally and he sucked. Like he sucked. He led the league in interceptions one year. Right. And he was just garbage. Like people forget how trash he was. And, you know, fuck Twitter polls. Right. But there was that Twitter poll out where who was the best player during the drought and Tarod and Ryan Fitzpatrick went head to head. And guess who won? Fitzpatrick. Like that's bullshit. Right. And so when people try to get on me for, oh, you, you know, you hate Josh Allen because that's not even it. Right. Like when when Tarod got traded, I was I was happy. Right. Like I, I was ready to move on. Right. Didn't didn't go off the wall on Twitter. Didn't say anything. Like I was fine with moving on. When we drafted Josh Allen, I didn't say shit because whatever. I don't I don't know. Nobody knows. Every, the whole thing on Twitter was he's just a strong arm with no uh, with no accuracy, right? People were legit pissed when we drafted Josh Allen. I, I wasn't because I don't know. Nobody really fucking knows, right? So uh, 2018 happens. He was trash. 2019 happens. Meh, right? So I, I don't understand why people start getting pissed at me for bringing up, well, what y'all saying about Josh is not the same thing y'all saying about Tarad when they were both about the same or played the same for those first two years in Josh's career. Where, what's your level of concern, Bree, with uh, the vaccination talk going on with the Bills? And it seems as though at least Cole Beasley's insistence that this will be a hill he dies on perhaps literally, uh, and all the other little things that we, that we see, Jordan Poyer, uh, Isaiah McKenzie with a like or a 100 uh, response, John Feliciano, I think we can probably guess that Josh Allen, uh, or at least he's choosing not to help uh, by saying what could be said, um, even though he is a paid um, endorser of Oshai Children's Hospital. Um, where are you with this as a potential, a real potential issue, as opposed to just something that we're talking about in July because training camp hasn't started yet? Uh, as far as it being an issue, I'm just assuming that it will be based off of, you know, what people are saying about it. Um, you say, you're think, assuming it will be? For the players, if, if like players like Cole Beasley are and people that are players that are supporting him, right? Like if they feel like, you know, he's right and we're not going to get vaccinated or whatever, whatever, I guess according to, you know, whatever the NFL rules are, like people who aren't, who don't reach that threshold aren't allowed to do certain things, right? Which, you know, I guess they can look back and say 2020, we had these restrictions and look what happened. But at the same time, there is an advantage to it, right? Which is, I guess, what people are preaching, like there's an advantage to it. So if there's an advantage to, to getting vaccinated, then that's fine. Like I would, I would support that, right? Like I, in real life, I don't really care. I don't wanna say I don't care, but to a degree, I don't really care what they do, right? Because it has nothing to do with me in my head, right? Like if we're being honest, I don't follow any of those players on Twitter. Like I don't, I don't care what celebrities and or athletes do with their personal time for being honest. And I think that's, maybe the difference between me and a lot of Bills fans because, you know, they follow them all and they follow their lives. So now they care a lot more or whatever. I, it has nothing to do with me. 
right? They, what they do don't make me shit. You know what I'm saying? Or what they eat don't make me shit, right? So I, I really don't care. But if there's an advantage to getting vaccinated, then I think they should take advantage of it, right? Yeah, but you're emotionally invested in this team. And if in week four or whenever, maybe it even happens in the playoffs, somebody comes up positive and can't play because right. they decided not to get a, uh, get the vaccine, then it not only, then that hurts everybody. It hurts the, the teammates. It hurts the fans. It hurts the, right. the potential of your joy. You know, who knows? It happened um, with, uh, with Chris Paul in, in, in the finals, right? Like he gets, he gets COVID and he what, misses a game or two, right? So, I mean, you're right. And I mean, we're talking about the NBA, which, you know, has seven game series, right? Um, so you're right. Like if, if Josh, you know, God forbid Josh gets, you know, COVID or playing the Chiefs or some shit, right? And, you know, now what are they going to say, you know? Yes. Probably, probably the most controversial take, though, that you have on Twitter uh, is that um, blue cheese uh, isn't all that. <laughs> which I agree. And this is where I wish Jonah Bronstein was on here with us. Uh, yeah, the idea that you can put whatever you want on the wing before it's served to you, all the different sauces that you could have, the dry rub, mm -hmm. um, extra saucy, combining sauces, inventing sauces, um, you know, the, the Scoville scale and all the different things you can put on there. Uh, but you're only allowed to dip it in one thing. <laughs> Where? What's up with that? Yeah, I, I, here, here's the wild part, right? Like, I'm from Buffalo, right? So I moved here in like 99, right? I was like 11. So I guess people can do the math for how old I am. But so obviously back then you used to always dip it in blue cheese, right? When you get down here, it's, it's ranch, right? So it, to me, it don't really matter. Right. Like, I'm not understanding why, you know, people are coming out with their pitchforks and, you know, and ready to fight over a fucking dipping sauce. Right. These are the you, can't people. Be, you can't be my friend if you use ranch. Right. You know, and then the latest controversy is with Stefan Diggs saying that it's not pop, it's soda. Another one I agree with. Um. That's another people. thing, like when, when I was in Buffalo, it was pop. When I came down here, it was soda, right? So I go back and forth. Like if I'm not thinking about it, I'll say pop. If I'm thinking about it, I'll say soda because people will look at me like I'm crazy, right? But then I'll explain to them, oh yeah, up in Buffalo, we called it um, pop. Or I ask somebody, hey, where are you from? And they'll say like Pittsburgh or they'll say up north and they'll say pop. But like, who cares, right? Like I don't understand like why, why the fuck? Like they literally like, uh, what? was it Sanders the last time we had a revolt against the fucking dip right <laughs> so they and they are it's a serious thing like at last time last time I went to uh Buffalo uh maybe was it the last time no nah, it's probably the time before and when they did that whole uh, meet the mafia thing on WGRZ right they had me up there with um it was me and Les we did ours with um Josh Robinson I think his name was but Anyways, we go to what Gabriel's Gate or whatever, and um, I, I must have got ranch. And then, you know, all of them were like, oh, my God, you, know, you can't get ranch, blah, blah, blah. So. And then did they drive you to the edge of uh, Erie County and uh, tell you to get out of the car? Find yeah, your they, way back home to Virginia Beach? Yeah, they, uh, they kicked me out, you know, and uh, right. then, then made me pay for everybody's food and shit. And everybody ordered extra blue cheese, so I have to pay for that, too, and shit, so. Well, how about the, I wonder if uh, Western New Yorkers are not, uh, or if they've withdrawn uh, their auto coverage from State Farm, because if you notice the Jake from State Farm commercial, when the pizza delivery woman shows up, she gives him a gallon of dipping sauce. It's ranch. <laughs> so ranch is good on pizza too. Wings. Right. She gives them all, she gives them pizza wings and a gallon of ranch. Mm. So you got, you're going to have to go with the general. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're probably they probably don't know but now that you said it they're going to be up okay. they're gonna be on it. yeah they're, they're on it they don't miss a beat until josh allen gets a state farm endorsement like the <laughs> other quarterbacks and then they'll be right back on board oh absolutely what do you Here's think would happen if josh allen came out and said the only way to eat wings is with ranch they're moving to ranch <laughs> i think he would right. never he would never dare 
he's, he's, he's a little... toes the company line. He knows he's got his, it's not that hard to figure out. I, I was framing it as if Josh Allen is a very savvy speaker and a guy that really knows how to, you know, portray his image, but it's really not that hard. Talk about blue cheese, right? right. wear a Sabres jersey, you know, maybe a Braves hat. Only uh, football team in New York, you know, you, yeah. you, know how to, you know how to do it, right? So the, right. the funny thing about uh, Bill's Twitter is they'll, they'll tell me, oh, you're making these arguments for clout. I'm like, bro, it's not that hard to get fucking clout on Bill's Twitter. Like, you know what the fuck to do. Like, cut it out. Make a Logan Berry reference and, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a press conference. Uh, Here's all a question. Kinds of shit. You say you all your controversial takes, you know, before you bring them to Twitter, they've been researched, they've been workshopped. You don't go into a fight without, you know, you know, ready to roll. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you have any that you've been workshopping, some that you've been researching that you can, you know, give us a sneak preview here of what, what you might set Twitter on fire with next. Well, I've, I kind of uh, teased it before and they're probably tired of my shit already, but the whole uh, 2019 Josh versus 2017, Tarod Taylor, like I, I, I said, um, like the the point is, Tarod was a better quarterback that year than Josh was in 2019, based off of who he had surrounding him as at, at the wide receiver position, even his his front line, the defense that he had, right, and uh, Tarod was rated higher uh, QBR, a uh, quarterback rating, um, didn't ha- he wasn't that far off for in yards per game. Like people don't, but then when you say it, right, they're like, oh no, that's not true. Blah, blah, blah. You hate Josh, yada, yada, yada. No, nah, nah, it's not really true. Well, Bree, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, anything that you want to uh, add that we didn't talk about? Any, uh, any things you want to roll out? Um, well, Josh Allen isn't a top five quarterback. That was the other thing. Right. Like people like earlier during the season, people were like, oh, he, you know, he's not better than Deshaun or he's better than Deshaun Watson. That's not fucking true. Right. Like you can tell, like people don't do their research when they say shit like that. Right. Like Deshaun Watson loses uh, uh, Hopkins. Right. And has the best season of his career. Right. But you'll hear people say, oh, well, uh, Deshaun Watson hit his ceiling. How the fuck he hit his ceiling if he just had a career year losing Desha- losing Hopkins? It, it just doesn't make sense to me, the things that they say. Like, Josh is ascending, but every other quarterback has hit their ceiling. This shit don't make no sense, right? <laughs> like, it's the wildest, it's literally the wildest shit. You can tell people just don't, they don't know. Like, all they do is watch, they watch Bills football all the time, and then they watch primetime games, and then they think, oh, wow, I got, I got my hands, or I, I know the league, right? You, re- you really don't if you think, Watson has hit his ceiling or Watson isn't better than uh, Josh Allen. It's, it's wild. Is there a, is there a Twitter take that upsets you more than any other? Um, the Tarod one, because, because there is a racial reason as to why people do it. Right. I, and when I said it before, when I put that tweet out and I, I want to say Matt and, and you retweeted it, we're all, Everybody's on the same page. We're, and nobody's dumb to the fact that there's a racial uh, aspect to the Tarot hate, right? But then when people try to tell me that I'm racist for saying that or that I'm racist because all of a sudden I don't like Josh or I don't like Josh or whatever because I, because I say things like Tarot should get more respect based off of who y'all celebrated in the past and he's the one that ended the drought, right? But then when you call me a racist for saying it, it, it literally bothers me, right? Because I'm not, right? And then but I've been on Twitter long enough to understand how it works and how people do things and these narratives that they create based off of, you know, whatever they create. But that one is the one that bothers me the most. So anytime you want to get something off your chest, Bree, you have an open invitation to come on Tim Graham and friends brought to you by CTBK. And uh, we'll talk through this. You're the voice of the fan. You are, um, you want to say maybe uh, no fan is more powerful or influential than, than another. I disagree. You are at the top of the list, yeah. the holy, no. the holy triumvirate of Bill's mafia creators with Dell and Leslie. You've nope. been there since the beginning. You're on your second Twitter account. Uh, you, um, you workshop what you tweet. 
people don't uh, do that um, unless they uh, deserve respect. And uh, you're the man. I disagree. And, and the reason why is because um, they, you, you know these these Twitter personalities, right? And they think they're, they think they're better than other fans because they are who they are. They do certain things, right? And I don't like it. I've always stated that every fan is the same, right? Just because I don't do this or I don't do that does not mean I'm a better fan or if I do do this means I'm a better fan. I'm just a, I'm just a regular guy. Are you a better fan than Mark Miller? Um, to, well, <laughs> apparently, um, are you, or are you not a better fan, a, a, a better fan than Mark Miller? Answer the question. Well, he has a, he has a legendary, uh, uh, interview. So no, he's probably a better fan than me. Oh, come on. You're, you just any, weaseled out of that. Any, you know, you're I, a better fan than Mark I, Miller. Here, here's the deal. Anybody who's not on Twitter would not know who the fuck I am, right? But they remember Mark Miller's TV commercial, right? And the same thing. Maybe like, so. What, what, what was his issue? Didn't he like, I, I, I told somebody, I think it was Ty Dunn, right? So people don't remember, and I like toot my own horn, but I did bring that man to Twitter, right? Like I yes. put his interview on, um, on Twitter and that shit blew up, right? Then next thing you know, he's on Twitter because his shit blew up, right? People are trying to find him. He comes yeah. out of hiding. Right, right. And then he starts selling shit and selling appearances and shit. Like, fuck out of here, bro. Like, so I, maybe I should switch my answer. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. That's just my way of poking a hole in your argument that you're all the same. You're not all the same. Yeah, but I, I guess the man got to eat. So whatever. You just don't want to claim it. You don't want, you don't want somebody. Uh, yeah. So it's okay. I will say I am stating that you are at the top of the utmost upper echelon of Bills fan. You are at the top. You are the tip of the spear. Whereas you can then say, Tim, you're wrong. Uh, and you can be deferential and show some humility. But I, I've said what I've said. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. But yeah, you are wrong because it opens doors for everybody to feel like, you know, oh, because I do this or because I create this or whatever, or because I have this podcast you know, I'm a better fan than the next person, which is not true at all, which is the other thing that probably bothers me is that people with these, and I, I understand because again, everybody who's on Bill's Twitter knows how it works, right? Like if you say positive things about the Bills, you should have go up, right? So when I say these things and then people start jumping in my mentions, defending what I've said, when it's not really, again, like it's not really a controversial statement, right? A, you're playing to your fan base, which is which is fine. Like, you got to eat, you got a podcast, or you got this going on, or you're a content creator, or you whatever. Fuck, that's fine. Like, you need to you need to play to the fan base. I get it, right? But you should probably stay out this argument because I'm not in it for followers. I don't give a shit, right? So, but whatever. Breon Harris from Virginia Beach coming after us. Once unfollowed by Tim Graham, but vindicated. And I, and I stopped tweeting as much. So yeah, as you can tell, I go on these ranks and do, you don't see me for four or five days because I can't lose that follow again, man. <laughs> well, I missed out on the suspension. I just assumed I was following you. And then one day, I don't know, maybe it was a year or so ago, we had a conversation where I, somebody retweeted you. And I said, wait a minute, retweeted me. I'm supposed to be seeing this. <laughs> and I didn't realize that you were, you had to, you had to flip over to a secondary account. Cause you're on the yeah. lamb. I wasn't, I wasn't coming back either for being honest. Um, so it, it just, uh, not to get too personal, but I lost my mom in April. Right. But this was after this January was like Kobe's death. Right. Which was tough on me. And then probably it wasn't too soon after that, that my Twitter account got suspended. Right. And then my mom passed in April. So I was like, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not coming back. I've done everything that I want to do on Twitter. It's really not, there's nothing any there's nothing I could do more right like I've been viral I've been on the bills Twitter um, I've been on the bills um, website you know all most not all of my memes but I've got pretty decent amount of memes that went viral right so I don't there's really nothing else that you can do on there but you know Dell and and Les kept talking me back and said you know you got to come back you got to come back blah 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 so I was like all right I think it was like April Fools um, 
I think I put out a tweet to make it pretend like I was back, but I wasn't back then. It was April Fools or whatever. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I guess I'll just come back for good. Well, I'm glad you came back. Appreciate you, uh, you make, uh, you make my day better when I see you on there, mixing it up in a thoughtful, provocative way. <laughs> Appreciate it. And, uh, Thank you for doing this. Thanks you for coming on uh, Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK. And I hope we uh, get to do it again. Anytime. I'm available anytime. I'm going to pretend like I do a lot of shit, but I really don't. So I'm always available. Breon Harris, everybody. Thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions.